coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. I wanted to re-release a previous show, because every time I go try and link it, because I'm talking about it a lot, especially at the moment, um, about vacated targets. Um, I did a show on um, the myth of vacated targets about a year ago on the Dynasty Crossroads, back when Jake was still on the on the podcast, but he happened to be absent for that week, um, which is fitting. But um, I wanted to re-release it because I, I like posting this episode, and every time I try and do it, it's not there. Like, not a lot of podcast players store a year's worth of episodes easily linkable, so I'm re-releasing it so everyone can hear it again. Um, Ray GQ is actually on the crossroads this week. His episode will drop on Saturday. So I will talk to you again then. In the meantime, enjoy this callback, I guess. Um, again, I'm talking about vacated targets and the level of expectation for that volume to disappear or reappear on a new team after a player is traded away. And I went back through the history a little bit. I worked really hard on it. I thought it came together really well. Um, hope you guys enjoy it or enjoy it again. And I will see you again on Saturday when I talk to Ray. Appreciate you. Bye. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm normally joined by my co-host Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. But as anyone who's been listening knows, he's actually been uh, unable to attend the podcast the last few weeks because they were moving house and they've just had a new baby. So he's real busy and I'm trying to hold down the crossroads by myself. Last week we had a great guest on, and honestly it's broke me for all of the guests. Lauren Carpenter just has uh, ravaged my ability to argue with people. <laughs> Not really. Um, it, it's more... I'm getting a little overwhelmed. The football season's coming and I have to prepare for it because the work just increases and I have not stopped for a second since uh, since the work ended. So um, I'm trying to cut back somewhere and not having to wrangle guests and fit into their schedule and everything else is just one area that I can do it. Also, there are a few topics I want to talk about more extensively. 
Um, and while it would be fun to talk about it with someone else, I kind of thought some solo shows and some particular situations or particular narratives leading up to the football season might be of use for people. So something that's been sticking uh, in my core a little bit lately, it comes up around this time and will for the next few months, um, almost every season. And that's the value of missing targets or vacated targets or whatever fancier word they want to put on it to make it sound like it's taken uh, some more analytics to create. Now, I'm not throwing shade at the the tracking of it because I've tracked it myself in order to study it, frankly. And, And there's some really good work going on. And it's not the easiest thing to track. It takes a lot of manual data input, um, and it does take a lot of work. For example, I recommend you check out the missing targets data that's been tracked on Rotoviz if you're interested in it. Um, it's very accurate. Um, I know the guy who does it. We spoke about it last year because we were both doing the work, um, and he's phenomenal. Um, so I just recommend checking that out. But everything is useful for something the trick is finding out what it's useful for right um and i know as a once upon a time non-degenerate that when i heard missing targets it sounds like it it gives you this impression that because targets are no longer there or someone that was uh, getting targets is no longer there that they are sitting around to be picked up um it's a perfectly natural logical assumption when you hear it um and probably problem is most of the smart analysts you hear talking about it or using it if you listen closely the good ones are not using it in that way and there's a really easy uh, assumption to make that can really lead you down some bad paths so uh, instead i want to offer you a new way of thinking about targets and also dig into why they are absolutely i want to be real clear on this they are absolutely useless for telling you anything about the volume, the targets, or the how players on those teams missing targets now are going to do in 2019. They have no value. They have no use as a predictive stat. The fact that Odell Beckham has gone, leaving behind 200 missing targets, does not mean there are 200 targets laying around on the ground for Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, if his thumb's okay, um, or Cora Coleman to suddenly pick up. Targets are not things that get left behind. So instead of thinking of them as loose change, you know, like pennies, these wide receivers drop on the floor on their way out of town, instead I want you to start thinking about them as dollars, or in fact $10 bills, right? If you drop a penny, you might not even care if you notice. Um, and someone can pick it up if, if they're in desperate need of a penny, um, and that's great. But if you drop a $10 or $1 bill and you don't notice, then you go back and you find it. That's what targets are. Targets are money. They're money for fantasy football, and they're serious money for wide receivers themselves. When they leave town, they take their targets with them. They do not leave them behind in the team they just left. It's about the players. It's not about random targets laying around in the ground. Okay, I think I've belabored this point a little bit. Uh, just enough maybe um but i'm going to talk about it for the next 10 minutes or so anyway so i thought i'd be really clear up front the way i think we should think about missing or vacated targets they do not exist now i do think there is a use for it but it's really tricky um and i'll talk about that more at the end start i want to dispel this notion for you um, or for anyone like me who used to make the perfectly natural logical assumption that missing targets mean there are targets available for other players. It does not mean that. So let's dig in a little bit. I spent all night 
trying to find a way of doing this that isn't r squared values and all that kind of stuff that I've done before because it hasn't worked. No, no one, no one, no one believes it. Right? It just makes too much logical sense. So instead, what I did is I went through my data and I found players that have been missing from a team the next year. And, and then so we can just look at individual situations. So in 2017, a player that left their team was Jarvis Landry, right? Jarvis Landry left the team um, of the Miami Dolphins in 2017. And in 2017, he was he counted for 161 targets, right? So the idea is there are now 161 missing targets in Miami when looking forward to the 2018 season. In fact, if you look a little closer, you could find there are actually 308 targets that became missing. And yes, I literally did bunny rabbit ears in the air sitting by myself in my office because they're not missing, but there are 308 missing targets for 2018. Now, some of these were injuries, not just trades like Jarvis Landry, so that we didn't know they were going to be missing, but players that were unavailable for that team next year actually accounted for 308 targets the year before. So let's take a look at this a little more closely. In 2017, for example, Kenny Stills uh, was second on the team in targets with 105, and Devontae Parker was third with 96. Now, if we skip over to the Miami Dolphins in 2018, we should find 308 targets suddenly distributed across, and that's not what we see. That, that's the whole point. Much less than 50% where you will ever be able to account for where those targets went missing. They didn't go missing. They went with Jarvis Landry to Cleveland, and we'll talk about that in a second. But in 2018, Danny Amendola led the team in targets, so he joined the team and sucked up all these targets, right? Um, well, maybe, but he actually sucked up 79 targets, so significantly uh, less targets than Jarvis Landry. Kenyon Drake actually became the second target leader with 73. Kenny Stills actually dropped in targets uh, to the tune of 41 less targets from the year before. Devante Parker also lost about 49 targets. Um, and the, the story goes the same way throughout. Now, the team threw actually less targets in 2018. There were less targets to go around. Now, and that's not a coincidence wide receivers create targets they create them by catching first downs and being good at their job now Jarvis Landry while he's awkward in terms of efficiency he's awkward in terms of fantasy because very few players with his kind of ADOT are good enough at their job to actually be fantasy relevant Jarvis Landry is one of very few players that can do that but it's pointless to argue at this point that whether or not he's good or not he's very good at what he does to the extent that it becomes extremely fantasy relevant no one on this team was that was left is nearly as good, especially at his role. Uh, um, Danny Amendola actually had a very similar ADOT at 7.9, but he still was only able to create or earn 79 targets. Again, there was no money laying on the floor because of the loss of Jarvis Landry, and Danny Amendola was only able to earn 79 cash money targets. Uh, Kenyon Drake was a surprising 73, or surprising for me. So you can see players suddenly had opportunity, but I think you'd be much better served thinking that Kenyon Drake actually earned 73 targets, which is actually 25 more than he had the year before, because of what he was able to do in that season, much more than because Jarvis Landry left. Because, again, you 
if you compare this across a history of the NFL, this isn't a random example. This is the norm. Those targets just leave. A few players get more, but significantly more in this particular case were lost from players that were on the depth chart before. So why don't we think that Damian, Danny Amendola and Kenyon Drake's targets actually came from Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, which is actually a much more logical assumption when you consider in context what happens when players leave the team and leave a great deal of targets behind them. Now, that's one kind of proof, right? But, you know, Miami's not the greatest situation, right? What about the quarterback? What about the whole mess that was the Dolphins in 2018? Well, that's fair to say. So I picked out a few more examples. Um, And if we go to 2017 and see the biggest target earner, um, that left his team in 2017. Oh, sorry, that was Jarvis Landry. If we do 2016, so from the year before, what we see is that Julian Edelman became unavailable to the Patriots for 2017. Now, that wasn't because he was traded, so it's a slightly different situation, but he was unavailable in 2017. So if you go over to New England, in 2017, we should see someone suddenly earning Danny Amendola's targets of around 150, right? Well, that's not what we see. What we see is Gronkowski was actually the biggest target gainer from the year before, and he only earned 67 extra targets. But the reason he earned 67 extra targets is because the year before, he only earned 38, because he was injured in 2016. And again, once you add up the balance of the targets in added and the targets lost you don't find Danny uh, you don't find Julian Edelman's targets laying around or as the balance of what these players have now earned or lost from the year before Brandon Cooks actually earned three less targets from the year before despite the fact Danny Amendola was gone uh, despite the fact Julian Edelman was gone. You, you get those guys confused, obviously. Um, Danny Amendola did earn more targets to the tune of 56 from the year before James White earned 14 less, so Dwayne Allen, who I don't think was even playing in that year, earned 30 less than he did the year before. Philip Dorsett earned 41 less than he did from the year before. So the increase in targets for Gronkowski and Aaron Dola are actually easily accounted for by the players who were still on the team in 2017. Dan- Julian Edelman's targets didn't go anywhere. They went with him. Well, actually, that's the wrong way of looking at it. They went somewhere. They went wherever Danny Amendola was enjoying his time off with injury. They they weren't left on the floor for someone else to pick up, despite the fact that Rob Gronkowski, one of the best target earners on this team, returned to form so that he could earn more targets the year after, in the year that Julian Edelman was injured. And that's a good quarterback situation. That's a good team, and they did well that year. So it's not like... That's that's not a Miami problem, right? That's not a terrible situation to walk into um, with targets available. Um, but let's do one more anyway. Calvin Johnson became unavailable in 2016 after earning 149 targets in 2015. So again, the theory is that Detroit is missing at least 149 targets when we look at the next year, right? So if we skip over to 2016 and look at Detroit... What were people earning? In the, in 2016, Golden Tate did increase in targets to the tune of six. He increased six targets from the year before with the loss of Calvin Johnson. On the other hand, um, randomly, Marvin Jones 
on the team in both years earned the exact same number of targets as he did the year before. Anquan Bolden actually lost six targets. Eric Ebron gained 15. Theo Riddick lost 32 targets. Um, the loss or the missing in action Calvin Johnson for 2016 didn't mean there were 149 or 159 targets laying around for someone to pick up. Because Calvin Johnson, like everyone else, picks up dollar bills when he drops them on the floor or he goes back for them when he notices they're missing. These are valuable things, not cheap change that someone doesn't care if they lose so someone else can pick it up. Those are three examples from widely different teams and vastly different players um, across three different years. Now, you can dig into the R-squared numbers and do a lot bigger sample, but that gets, I think, more boring or less interesting for most people, and they don't hear it as well than when you say Calvin Johnson, Julian Edelman, and Jarvis Landry took their targets with them every time in those three situations. And if you do the bigger sample size, which I've done, that is the norm. Like, well beyond 50%, targets do not get left around for other players to pick up. So it becomes about the quality of the player on the team. And so something that I've started to look at is whether we can find a pattern in targets over-expected, adjusted for ADOT based on the quarterback, and also based on league average for an ADOT that is similar. Um, so what I thought I'd do is quickly look at Golden Tate, because he's involved uh, in a lot of these situations. So Golden Tate in 2016, the year that uh, Calvin Johnson was unavailable, he did see a rise in ADOT, interestingly. Um, from 5.9 to 8.1. So you could say that's the effect of Calvin Johnson being gone. But if you look just the two years before that, his ADOT dropped from 7.9 to 5.9 from 2014 to 15. And Calvin Johnson was on the team and playing in both of those years. So again, I think it's better to think that Golden Tate's ADOT was a lot more about maybe the team, maybe the coaches, maybe the season. But it had a lot more to do with him than some other player that was on his team. And... And again, when you look at 2016, when Calvin Johnson was unavailable, Golden Tate earned, based on my current calculation of it, 2.8 more targets than average for quarter uh, for players playing with a similar A dot for Matthew Stafford. So it shows that Golden Tate was a good receiver. He was targeted above average using the same quarterback, but. The next year, or the year before, when Calvin Johnson was still on the team, Golden Tate was earning 2.1 targets over average. So in other words, the loss of Calvin Johnson had accounted for 0.7 targets above average, or in other words, about two targets a game. Now, two targets a game is actually pretty significant, but it's also worth noting that Golden Tate's uh, position rank that year only increased from wide receiver 24 in 2015 to wide receiver 17 in 2016 when, um, when Calvin Johnson was missing. His performance, what he does, the targets he earns, no matter how I test it or no matter how many samples I look at, has a lot more to do with who Golden Tate is than who else on the team is around him. So how can we apply this um, to 2019? Well, the player that I think <laughs> we're probably, probably all aware of that had the most targets in 2019 but has since left their team is Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown. So what are we to make of their situations now that they've left their teams? Essentially, nothing. <laughs> the fact that Odell Beckham has left 
his missing targets tells you nothing about the available targets for New York Giants players in 2019. And Antonio Brown leaving doesn't tell you anything about the targets available for Juju Smith-Schuster or Dante Moncrief or um, James Washington, for that matter. What we have to do is look at what those players have done. So if we use my targets over expected new calculation steady thingamajig um, and look at Pittsburgh for example in 2018 and this is consistent throughout their careers what we see is that Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown both earned five targets or about between five and 5.9 targets over expected based on their ADOTs and that's looking at both the league average and also the average with Ben Roethlisberger for players with similar ADOTs that's a really significant number over average. Very few players average over uh, one target over expected based on all the testing I've done on this so far. So it's very clear that both Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown are able to make, earn, or create targets in their roles better than most wide receivers. So the fact Antonio Brown is gone doesn't mean there are targets left available for Juju Smith-Schuster. It just doesn't. But the fact Juju Smith-Schuster has already proven himself very capable of earning incredible amounts of targets over what most wide receivers with his type of role is able to do means that Juju's probably going to be just fine. Whereas we, if we look at Odo Beckham and the New York Giants situation, the only players that have earned targets overexpected, either based on league average or based on the average of player playing with Eli Manning, the only players in recent memory that have actually earned more targets than the average player would earn with their ADOTs at those positions, because it's position-specific as well, is Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Russell Shepard. And Russell Shepard in 2018 played a total of seven games and got 19 targets with an ADOT of 17, so 17 yards down the field. I think we can pretty much write off Russell Shepard, but if anyone's going to ask me who deep on the depth chart might be that guy, Russell Shepard. But the point is that New York Giants just lost Odell Beckham, who was creating around about between three and five targets overexpected for players with his type of ADOT. They've replaced him with no one who can do anything like that. Um, even if they had a similar ADOT, they're going to lose all of these targets Odell Beckham creates by catching first downs, making touchdowns, and just being a good player at his position. Now... Could you say that Evan Ingram maybe deserves a bump? Yes, but I think they're the lesson of Golden Tate. Golden Tate was a very good player at his position, at his ADOT, and with the loss of Calvin Johnson, it showed a, a 0.5, 0.7 increase in targets over expected with two, points, two targets a game um, increased. He can increase marginally, but we've already seen two years of Evan Ingram. We've seen enough to know he's a very good tight end. But nothing, nothing that could replace, because nothing really can replace a player that creates so many more targets than the average player um, with his particular role. Evan Ingram can't replace Odell Beckham. He's already shown what he can create, which is definitely good. Evan Ingram is definitely a very good player, but the increase is probably likely to be very marginal. Um, if we look at Evan Ingram in 2017, when Odell Beckham was only able to play four games, then we see that he earned 3.6 targets over expected for players playing with Eli Manning with his type of ADOT. So in other words, it was better than 2018, but it was only one target extra over expected. 
And as far as targets per game goes, again, that shows about a 1.5 targets per game increase for when Odell Beckham wasn't there to when he was there. Now, lots of people play splits like this, mostly, I think, based on studying the wide history of missing targets, this is noise. This is more missing targets noise. I don't think Evan Ingram had 3.6 targets over expected in 2017 because Eldo Beckham wasn't there. I think it's because the team was more successful and therefore there are more targets or more first downs and he was able to earn more raw targets as a good player in and of himself. Now, it's not that the whole thing is in the symbiosis like we talked about with um, Lauren last week. The point is that if you're going to read a situation, especially when targets are concerned, you have to go through what the player is capable of doing and what the player can do, not this idea that targets are laying around on the ground. Because again, and I can't insist this enough, if you look at any kind of history of missing targets, you'll notice over and over again, they just leave. They don't get picked up. They're not there to be picked up. If a player gets a vast amount of targets over expected like Kenyon Drake last year, you have to give that credit to the player. Now, it's not, again, that every, all of this is working together, but if you're going to create one answer for it and then use it to assess a situation in 2019 like Pittsburgh, like the New York Giants, it's better to think of what players are capable of doing. With the loss of Odell Beckham, the New York Giants passing offense is going to lose a significant number of targets, not gain them because he's not there sucking them up. He does more with targets than most players, and every player still left on the team can do. Now, that's not shade towards Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. They have very different roles, and but they have already been creating the targets that they can create by being very good. They might see a marginal increase at best, but I think it's much more likely that the increase will be more than accounted for for the loss of efficiency, first downs, and scoring opportunities that the team is able to create with the loss of that player. In the the case of Pittsburgh, it's a slightly different situation. There's already a player on the team that has shown well above average that he can earn targets and create targets for this team. I think... and. I think it's still likely that Ben Roethlisberger may suffer from the loss of Antonio Brown. And yeah, he, Antonio Brown may suffer from the loss of, of Ben Roethlisberger. But based on what Antonio Brown has been able to do, I think he's going to earn a significant percentage, a significant share of the targets. And then it becomes how well the rest of the offense does. And that's obviously less hopeful than what we already knew he could do with Ben. But I'm not looking to dig into this situation too intently, more to show why and how I completely avoid most of the discussions that we get into with targets lost or QB performance. Because that matters so much less than what a player is able to do for the team in terms of earning targets and creating opportunity for there to be more passing attempts and targets to go around in general. That just has a lot larger effect in projecting how many targets they're going to get or thinking about how well they're going to perform in year next. Again, to sum up, missing targets are useful, but they're useful in a holistic sense, like Lauren was doing in the last episode, or Evan Silver does, or these people that 
know the NFL, know football so well that they can read team intention. And if you notice, most smart analysts, analysts that you trust and like, a lot better than me, obviously, um, that use it, they start talking about what the team's trying to do and what the team wants to do when they bring up missing targets. They might also throw out that trope, that myth, that there is opportunity because there are missing targets. That is not true. Just X that out in your head. That does not exist. But you could read team intention. You can read maybe Tampa Bay trusts Chris Godwin and so they're not worrying about Adam Humphreys being gone. I think that's a fair assessment based on what Chris Godwin has done. But the fact that uh, Deshaun Jackson and Humphreys have gone doesn't mean there are targets for their laying on the floor for him to pick up like missing change. Instead, he's going to have to go out and earn them like the rest of us do when we want dollars and $10 bills. Because that's what targets are. They're real money. So that's my conclusion. Does it have a use? Yes, but in a holistic team intention kind of way. If we think about targets themselves as a thing that exists outside of players... It's going to lead you to a lot of bad places. It's going to lead you to the New York Giants passing offense or the idea that Mike Evans can get exceptionally more targets than he's already been getting. He's already been getting exceptionally more targets than average players. So why would he get exceptionally more for something that's got very little to do with him, which is what another player can earn? Um, And I think if we frame it in that way, then it's not the entire truth very obviously because there are there are a lot of factors that go into every single thing that happens in life as in an NFL game or in an NFL season but you're getting a lot more of the truth and it helps you above 50% of the time explain what might or what should happen for an offense after a player leaves it and that's what we want we want to have a good place to start understanding what's going to happen Especially since so much that's going to happen is unpredictable and unusual. We don't want to start out with something that is a bad assumption and doesn't actually bear out in practice. So missing targets are my bugaboo right now. Am I going to be avoiding them the same way I avoid trading camp news? Um, But let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up uh, at the Dynasty Crossroads handle, at Dynasty Crossroads, or at PA Howdy anytime. Happy to share this data and show screenshots of it too. And so you can dig through and see some of the positive times when missing targets maybe helped out other players. Because it does work out that way sometimes. But I think those players should be credited with it based on the large number of times that they just disappear when there isn't another player who rises to prominence to earn targets rather than pick targets up like loose change. Man, that was longer than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Thanks again. See you next week. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, 
Jake on the table when they phone the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table when they phone the place, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical.